This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. We are Amanda and Brittany. And, and this is episode, episode one. one! Yay! <laughs> Yay! Thank you for listening. Bear with our growing pains here. Mm-hmm. So, we have decided since this episode will be coming to you on a Wednesday. Yeah. Hump day! Yeah. yeah we yeah. decided to give ourselves a little hump day treat. <laughs> yes. yes, ma'am. <laughs> So, what is our hump day treat this week, Amanda? Okay, well, I picked my favorite Pinot Grigio, and the brand is Sweet Bitch. Yes. <laughs> some sweet bitches. Yes. <laughs> and it's fabulous. It this is, is my first Sweet Bitch encounter, and I'm loving it. It's pretty good. I do like it. I'm I'm excited about glass number two here. Yeah, <laughs> we're on glass. This is glass number two, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, yes. we had to pregame it. Sorry, I it's mean. fine. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we decided that our first episode is going to be about voodoo murders. <laughs> it's only fitting us being from Louisiana to do something that. Uh, kind of relates to our home state here. So. Absolutely. Um, there are uh, two different practices in Louisiana, voodoo and hoodoo. So before I jump into my case, I just kind of wanted to talk about those real quick. Yes, yes, let's clarify because there is a huge difference. Yes. Voodoo is a religion that originated in Haiti. And their god is named Bondi and he doesn't intercede in human life like the Christian God does. So they don't pray to Bondi for normal day-to-day things like Christians typically pray to God for. Um, instead, they call upon a spirit called the Loa. So that's who they pray to. And I guess Bondi is the overseer. Um, okay. Hoodoo is not a religion. It's folk magic mm-hmm. that originated from Africa. Many hoodoo practitioners are actually Catholic, and they call on different Roman Catholic saints during their rituals. Yes. Yes, they do. Both. (laughs) All-knowing. All-knowing hoodoo priestess, Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) Growing up Catholic, yeah, you hear a little bit about it. Um, Both are known to incorporate sacrifices to their various gods during their rituals. So, if you want to have a look at the show notes, I've got a picture here. All the pictures that we look at, we will be posting on our Facebook and Instagram. So, go give us a follow on social media so you can look at these pictures with us as you're listening to the podcast. So, you can see what we see. We'll be posting everything. All the good stuff. All yes. the pictures. We'll all share it all. So this first picture that we're looking at here is a page out of the La Petite Journal. Nice. Which um, was like a newspaper, magazine, like periodical thing from 1912 that is a picture 
Um, it's like an artist rendering of a human sacrifice. And so um, the wording at the bottom is either French or Creole. I don't know. I do good to speak English. <laughs> but I can discern from what I see here that it says human sacrifices in Louisiana. At yes. The bottom. Yes. Yeah. We, we know that much. Yes. So it's an interesting little picture here. There's a very large crowd and there is a very intimidating looking woman here with an ax over her head. <laughs> and this poor unfortunate soul here Aww. tied to a stake with his hands behind his back. It does not look pretty. I don't think it's going to end well for him. She looks yeah. pretty damn determined. Yes. So that was, uh, they weren't very worried about being PC or anything. <laughs> Apparently not. This was perfectly acceptable content. Because, oh my God. Right. Okay. So, are you ready to hear my case? Yes. Oh okay. my God. Please. I've been waiting for weeks and weeks. <laughs> yeah, we're not sharing with each other. Uh, just to give you all a little uh, insider thing here. We're not sharing with each other what our cases are about. No. So that way you are getting our 100% genuine reactions to these things. Yes. But oh my gosh, it, I've even seen her notes on the drive and I've wanted to click on them and I haven't. Yes. I've been good. <laughs> so yes, hit me with it. Okay. So my case is about Miss Clementine. Barnabet. Oh, Barnabet. Barnabet, yes. Okay. Miss Clementine is thought to be the first African-American serial killer in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Her murderous spree took place from 1911 to 1912. She was admittedly connected to the Church of Sacrifice, which is an offshoot of a Christ's Sanctified Holy Church congregation in Lake Charles. So the Christ Sanctified Holy Church is an actual church. Mm. The Church of Sacrifice is a little culty. It's a little culty. I mean, the name didn't, you know, give that away at all. <laughs> Sounds like a place I'd like to go to. <laughs> Just to let you know. <laughs> so if you want to take a look at the notes and see a picture of Miss Clementine. Yes. She is wearing a tignon that I had to look up how to say that. Google had to teach me. What is that? I was that um, that's the headscarf that she's wearing. Okay. So during this time period, it was uh, worn by Creole women and was indicative of their connections to voodoo. So that's just something okay. that they Good typically wore. Um, Clementine was born in 1894 in St. Martinville, Louisiana, to her parents, Nina Porter and Raymond Barnabet. Her only sibling was her brother, Zephyrin, who I couldn't figure out whether he was older or younger, but that's the only one she's got. It's just Clementine and Zephyrin. All right. Her father... <laughs> that just sounded really country. <laughs> we can't help it, and we're All drinking. Right. It's just going to come out. Just yep. bear with us. Um, her father, Raymond, was a petty thief who was physically abusive to his family and unfaithful to his wife because men. Um, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> wow. He's, he's an a asshole. Winner. Yeah, winner, winner. <laughs> um, 
but he, in 1909, he moved his family from St. Martinville to Lafayette, Louisiana. Outside. Um, so just to kind of give you a little, um, a little tidbit here of what we're working with during this time, a minimum of 12 African American families, men, women, and children were killed in Louisiana and Texas towns along the Southern Pacific Railroad. Holy crap. Yeah. 12 entire families, mom, dad, kids, everybody. Oh, no, I don't, I don't like the killing of the kids. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm just assuming because I couldn't find any clarification that maybe they were train hopping because all of the murders took place just, just outside of the railroad line. Through Texas Probably. and Louisiana, so that was just my assumption there. Oh, you know that in the um the movie Fried Green Tomatoes. Have you ever seen it? Yes. You know that awesome movie when they're on the train and they're like throwing out canned goods to all those people yes, running along. That's such a great part that's, of the movie. That's kind of what comes to my mind. Like these little yeah, but they totes weren't throwing canned goods. No, no, no. Just just the little you they know they were slaughtering families. <laughs> Jesus. Yes. What a great part of that movie, though. Okay. 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 So, <laughs> moving right along. Yeah, I don't know. That's just what I pictured. <laughs> the um, the killer or killers uh, entered the victim's homes through a window and would use an axe belonging to the family to fracture their skulls and oh. mutilate the bodies of the victims. Oh. So, they did not bring their own weapons. What the? F- That's they- so rude. <laughs> Right? So they just went to the wood pile like, and grabbed amazing. their axe. Yes. And I mean, I they, guess that would be more convenient. I'm not going to lie. They, according to um, the papers at the time, they brained their victims with an axe. Brained. Brained. Yeah. I like it. I'll mm-hmm. allow it. Yeah. The bodies were then posed in a peaceful fashion as if they were sleeping or praying. Oh, that's nice of them. Mm-hmm. The um, kind of an odd thing, though, is the hands on the children were splayed out with wooden pens and paper. Mm. So if you want to take a look at the notes, there's like a little diagram thing of how the fingers of the younger children victims were spread what? apart. Why? Well, I had a little bit of trouble finding clarification on that. But um, I have my own little theory that we'll talk about a little bit later. Okay. Uh, in the case, but that's just one of the that other positioning weird. things that they they did. Like, why do that to the babies? You've I already mm. okay. well, consider consider the subject matter here. That's why. I mean, for those of you have, that haven't looked at the picture yet, it's it's just it's like a two. I don't know, like one and a half to two inch little piece of paper or wood, like just a little splinter of it in between each one of their fingers. And they just, it makes them spread out their hand and it looks, you know. It's creepy. And it's, why? Okay. All right. Go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to drink. Go. Okay. (laughs) In February 1911, the Andrus family of four was murdered in their home in Lafayette. Raymond Barnabet, that's Clementine's dad. Mm-hmm. was arrested under suspicion of these murders, but was quickly released due to lack of evidence. Then after he was released, 
the Cassaway family of five was murdered in their home in Beaumont, Texas. Well, go figure. So that seems a little fishy. Mm -hmm. And remember what a winner we talked about Raymond being. Uh, he had an argument oh, with yes. his <laughs> with his lover Diana, who went and told a friend of hers, uh, quote some frightening things about the axe murders. This led the friend to believe that Raymond was involved, and she informed the police. Yes, Queen. Yes, good girl. Yes. Um. So Raymond was again arrested. <laughs> Clementine and Zephyrin would go on to testify against her father in court. They claimed that he came home wearing bloody clothes and boasted about the murders, saying, I killed, quote, quote, I killed the whole damn Andrus family. <laughs> That's great, Dad. <laughs> As we all do when we slaughter entire households. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's, you know, sit around the dinner table and be like, okay, what you do today? Can you pass the rolls? <laughs> I killed a family today. So, to me, that makes it a little less believable because, I, like, we're sitting here saying who does that. But I don't. But who knows, right? Yeah. You never know. You yeah. never know, people. So, um, he was ultimately convicted of these murders, though, and Raymond was sentenced to death by hanging. Oh. So, while Raymond was imprisoned, another murder of a similar fashion occurred in Lafayette. This ended up prompting his release in 1911. Well, isn't that nice? <laughs> so they just let him go. Okay. Yeah. Must not have been him. Because mm -mm. nobody else in the world would commit a murder. Right. Okay. So the latest victims were the Randall family of six. Whoa. Yeah. Go take a gander in the show notes. Okay. And I have pictures of both the Andrus family and the Randall family's homes. Just to kind of give you an idea of what the killer was going into. So they were going into a window in the back of these houses and killing the family. But look how tiny these little houses are. And it's like six people living in them. They're cute. They're cute. They're just like little uh, wood-sided homes. Oh, my gosh. With maybe, you know, two rooms or so in there. Like maybe? little shotgun houses. I mean, they're probably not even rooms. It's probably just one big yeah, I don't, it looks like they've got a chimney coming. In. Yeah, so maybe like a. I can pretty much guarantee that they potty in an outhouse. Bit. Oh, and I'm not, absolutely not about that life. If they even have an outhouse, it may just be a hole. Oh, that is not okay. I no, but no. I mean, it's either that or you do it inside the house. No, thank no, no, you. No, 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 no. But that's what we're dealing with. Those little tiny houses. Yeah, it's like what ten by ten, yeah. maybe little so wow. um nope couldn't do it clementine and zephyrin became suspicious to police uh soon after the murders due to the neighbors claiming that they were quote filthy shifty and degenerate <laughs> because these things make a murderer i mean i know some filthy shifty and degenerate people as we all just, do say people but not very many of those people have committed murder that we know of. That, some people are really good actors. I don't know. Filthy, shifty, and degenerate, though. I like that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> put that on a dating profile. <laughs> That's fantastic. Let me know how that goes for you. Yeah. 
Okay, so when the police go to investigate, Clementine was quickly named as the main suspect. She uh, only lived a few blocks away. The Barnabet home was just a few blocks away from the Randall home. And there was a literal trail of blood that led the way from the Randall home to the Barnabet home. Oh, that's fabulous. That is fantabulous. (laughs) Some sources say that there was also blood on the fence latch. And some say that it was the doorknob. But either way, what in the actual? (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I did it. (laughs) Come on. Um, they also found clothes in Clementine's bedroom covered in blood and brain matter, <laughs> which is typical when you brain someone with an axe. Yeah, but <sighs> blood and brain. Why would you put that in your room? Why would you not toss that somewhere? I mean, hell, hang it on the fence that you left the blood trail on. She I- was tired from all the braining. I don't give it. <laughs> that would stink. It would stink. It'd be bad, yeah. Mm. Um, the police ended up arresting both Clementine and Zephyrin, but Zephyrin was able to provide an alibi, so he was released. Poor Zephyrin. He's just... I know. Sucking all this shit. I know. It's time for him to move. Mm-hmm. He's gotta go. Get out of there, Zephyrin. Yeah, run, run. <laughs> so, uh, while in custody, though, the murders continued with the Broussard family of five. And that particular murder, um, there was something different. There was a message written on the wall that was in children's blood found in buckets on the floor of the house. What the? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) The message was said to be Psalm 912 from the King James Bible. Uh, Quote, when he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. And it was signed the human five. So the nickname. Uh, the papers quickly nicknamed the cult the Human Five Gang. So that's that's what I'm thinking. My little theory here is why the smaller children's hands were splayed out with oh. the with the wood and paper. You know, showing yeah. their five fingers, like maybe that symbolizes the Human Five Gang. I couldn't find any other connections to the number five or no, any other reason for them sense. doing that so i think maybe that was like their calling card or you know yeah absolutely them taking credit for the murders um clementine initially admitted to taking part in 17 of the murders Good God. though she later claims to have committed 35 murders oh well <laughs> you know oh so okay. she take your pick right She continuously uh, contradicts herself in this way. Uh, Her story Mm. changes so many times. Sometimes she claims to have accomplices, and other times she claims that she was alone. But uh, no accomplices were ever identified by the police. And the motive for these murders is also unclear. So Some people have said that uh, some were committed to obtain immortality or riches, which kind of ties into the church's sacrifice, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, others were said to be motivated by revenge because, according to Clementine, they refused to obey messages from God sent to them through the church of sacrifice. So I'm thinking maybe the, those people were possibly members and not willing to participate, you know, because how else would they be refusing to obey messages from God sent ah, the church? Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, but because of uh, her lack of 
keeping our story straight there. Mm-hmm. We'll never really know Oh many my God, details. bitch, would you get your shit together? <laughs> but oh. she did She did accomplish something. She made the front page of the Washington Post. Yeah, girl. April 3rd, 1912. So if you want to take a look, I've got a little picture of that in the show notes um, where she made the front page. And it says, fanatics kill 35. Girl of human sacrifice cult confesses to 17 murders. So. Look what I did. And there's some little details there. And they talk about some of the victims, you know, because I I wasn't able. I just didn't have the time to cover all of the victims. So I just covered the ones that directly pertain to. Oh, yeah. Look at this. Crowley. Yeah. Like Charles Beaumont Gidden. Okay. Yeah, so Oh wow. Yeah, there's just the ones that like pertain to the arrests and uh imprisonment and all that. I just you know, talked about those, but there were many other victims. It's really sad. Wow. So Wow, Miss Clementine. A little bit more about uh the church's sacrifice here, because that's the only thing we know for sure is that they played a significant role in these crimes. The Church of Sacrifice is a religious cult with the core belief that it is possible to obtain wealth and eternal life by human sacrifice. It's rumored... Sure. Yeah. It's rumored that Clementine became a leader within this cult by the age of 17. Okay. So she had goals. Yeah, she was determined. She had, had drive, yeah. All right. Um, Some believe that this cult is actually still in operation today. I tried to kind of look that up. Okay. Um, I tried to look that up and I found like little tidbits, like little mentionings and stuff, but no like actual proof that it's still an organization. But if I was in an organization like that, I wouldn't publicize it. So yeah. they could very well still be operating. I don't know. Can you still put a curse on us? <laughs> right? I didn't even think about that. Shut up. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Um, Way to go, Brett. <laughs> Clementine claimed that um, this all started because a priestess in the church gave her and a few others conjure bags that would grant them supernatural powers and keep them safe from authorities. So, Where can I get one of these bags? Well, your friendly neighborhood hoodoo priestess, of course. Um, uh, do you know any? <laughs> not off the top, but I mean. Okay. Conjure bags are typically um, small, handheld little satchels, and they're filled with herbs and other things that are considered good luck in hoodoo culture. So conjure bags are not a bad thing. You know, Clementine made made it a bad thing, but typically in hoodoo culture, you fill a mixture of different herbs, uh, flowers, spices, things like that, that um, are considered good luck or to bring you good fortune and it's just something that you just kind of carry around with you. Okay, no, those I really honestly wouldn't mind having. Yes, we we could use some good fortune. A little yeah, good fortune. I will hoodoo, take what I can get. Hoodoo conjure bag. Bring it. Okay. If anybody out there makes hoodoo conjure bags. <laughs> Hit us up. Let us know. Yes. Our email is. <laughs> But uh, Clementine claims that receiving this conjure bag is what spurred her to commit her first murder. She wanted to test the magic and see if it truly worked. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't. I don't want her bag. But Clementine, she's not all there. 
She's not okay. No, apparently not. During her trial, she started acting very strangely. Um, she would laugh hysterically and rock back and forth and would roll her eyes into the back of her head, showing only the whites of her eyes. And yeah, that's hot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but not a show there, hopefully. After she recounted all the grisly details of the Randall family murders to the judge, she turned and looked at him and said, uh, quote, all judge, that ain't all either, and then started laughing. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she's got okay. more in her back pocket there for a rainy day, apparently. Mm-hmm. In October of 1912, Miss Clementine Barnabet was sentenced to life in prison at Angola State Penitentiary in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hey, 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 I've heard of that place. I know, side note, side note. Okay. They have an annual rodeo where... Oh, yes, I've, I've heard of the rodeo. They have an annual rodeo where inmates, you know, like ride broncos and rope <sighs> steers and, you know, all the good stuff. All right. So that's a thing. And also, they have like a little trade days, like craft fair type thing where they sell goods that have been made by the inmates so okay you, okay now that i could definitely get you can get there. like a table and chairs some artwork you know whatever the inmates have made you can go buy that oh can you give me a little picture frame or <laughs> we're gonna make a collage ball we're gonna have an inmate collage ball <laughs> that's gonna be a thing Ooh, ooh. does that mean that we get to have pen pal letters no. Is that still enough? It's That's still not enough. okay. <laughs> How many times do I have to tell you we can't be pen pals with murderers? It's the only thing she's ever said no about. <laughs> I'm all on board for a field trip, though. If you want to go shop at the trade days, okay. we can do that. Okay. But okay. no, we're not pen paling with murderers. Fine. I'm going to have to make you a list of rules. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, after less than a year, Clementine made an escape attempt in July of 1913, but was quickly captured. Despite that escape attempt, she became a trustee and worked in the cane fields. Because who doesn't want to let a potential flight risk work with minimal supervision? Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe. Um, it worked. She didn't. She didn't try to escape again. But she wasn't held there much longer after that. What? In August of 1923, she was released. How the f- 11 years. She served 11 years. Wait. Well, for confessing to participating in 17 hold murders. On, hold on, hold on. Wait, I'm scrolling back through. Didn't she get life? Is that right? Well, this justice system is just fantastic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But here, here's why. Here's why. Let me tell you. Okay. Apparently, Clementine underwent an undocumented surgical procedure that was believed to have cured her. Oh, well, we must find this procedure. This out. magical procedure that can turn an axe murderer. Into a completely normal, functioning person in society. But we're not going to write it down. We're not going to document it. This magical treatment, we're not going to oh, document it. Of course. It. That, that's yeah. why we're not doing it today, because it was never documented. <laughs> I know. they. 
they really missed their chance there. I can't that. believe they haven't figured this <laughs> procedure out by now. The only thing we do know for sure is that it wasn't a lobotomy because that procedure didn't come into practice until 10 years oh, later. Well, thank God. <laughs> so we don't know what it is, but we know what it's not. Um, I'm good. But after she was released, there's no knowledge of her whereabouts. So she was just in the wind. Damn it. Nothing at all ever again. I have an interesting little anecdote that I found. Um, I don't know how true it is because I just found it on one website. Hey, it counts. So I don't know if it's just like a super cool little story or if it's like real for real. Okay. So, in 1985, a Louisiana woman, uh, and I don't know where in Louisiana, just Louisiana woman. Okay. Yeah, went to visit her dying great-grandmother and was told the tale of Clementine Barnabet. After the great-grandma died, the woman was given pictures and found a picture of her great-grandmother when she was young. And realized after a little research that she bore a starting resemblance to pictures that she found of Clementine Barnabet. <gasps> no. So, Mama had a secret life. Hold on. Would that fit? Well, it said that her okay. great grandmother was over 100 years old. Okay. Your notes say 103, right? Yeah. Okay. But I'm, you know, I'm not. 1985. Certain. When was she born? 18 what? What? 1894. 1894. Yes, 1894. Alexa, do the math. <laughs> How many years? This is too much math. Okay, it is 91 years. So okay, so that's not true. It I can't don't be know. true. You never know. Like you don't know if her maybe she couldn't do birth math. Record was accurate. Honestly, I mean, oh yeah, if she made a new identity, so she didn't yeah. have to be Clementine anymore. Maybe she lied about her age. You don't know. You never know. Okay. It could it could fit. It really could. It could. I it mean, could. They're, they're only off by a few years. Well, I just think um, we're just going to say, say it's her. true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to choose to believe said anecdote. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That was her. But that. Holy crap. That's all I got. That's my case. I like it. That was fun. Oh. <sighs> I find it odd that we'd never heard of her before since, I mean, she should Ever. she should be documented somewhere in some sort of historical book being the first African-American serial killer See, in the this U.S. Is the, this is the stuff that they need to be teaching in history classes in <laughs> high school. Serial killer history? They, I mean, they could do like... Uh, Hello, there's a whole show like how to get away with murder or whatever. I mean, why couldn't they? And it's an act, it's a college course or whatever. So, I mean, that's true. Yes, I think it's significant. I mean, there's other people that I've heard of that you know I'm going to cover later. I have this book that's like the big book of serial killers. Yeah. She's not in there. She's not in there either. But you would think that she would be in there. Well, there's another one that I've heard of. And Oh, my God. I was, like, nine years old when it happened, and I don't remember it for shit. Like, don't remember hearing about this at all. Okay, we're going to talk about that later. No. <laughs> <sighs> don't okay. give away the milk for free, Amanda. I would never, <laughs> ever. That was not the milk. I didn't say who Nobody's it was. I didn't say cow. if it was male or female. I did not. 
I Nobody's just, gonna buy the cow if you give the milk away for free. Oh, honey, they'll buy the cow. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along, what's your case about? <laughs> um, I don't have a murder, but I just I love this one so much. Mine's a little bit more um off the wall. I like Maybe. off the wall. Yeah. Um, voodoo gone wrong. Hey, I'm ready for it. I'm all here right. for it. My case. We are going all the way back to 2011, Saturday, February 19th, to be exact, in the heart of Brooklyn, New York, to the wholesome little neighborhood of Flatbush. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say that name that ever is... without, like, <laughs> We sound like nine-year-old boys. <laughs> Flatbush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't. Okay. I do... <laughs> Stop! I'm sorry. I, I just started. I drank too much. Okay, okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> There's a picture of the building of how it looks today. Uh, it is actually available for rent. In Flatbush stands this six, now seven-story building on East 29th Street. Built in 1966 with 65. Now there's only 62 apartments, whatever. Um, it is actually in its grand reopening. So if you are looking for an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, with a little bit of um, gruesome history, go for it. So on the fourth floor of this apartment building lived a charming player pimp that walked with a limp. Okay, literally, they said he had a limp, but I just had the player fit <laughs> part because they did also say that he was a low-life womanizer. It just depended on which neighbor you asked. Lived 66-year-old Nelson Pepe Pierre. I'm going to call him Pepe. Pimp Pepe. Because that's what's in parentheses for a nickname, so that's what I'm going with. 66-year-old. 66-year-old. Pepe. Pimpin' Pepe. Okay. Wow. With his limp. With his limp. Legit limp. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm here for it. Let's go. So Pepe was, I don't know if he still is, because I don't know. Nobody said anything about him after this happened. So anyways, he was a Haitian voodoo priest called a Hoongan or a Houngan. It was pronounced both ways when I looked it up. So I don't know. I mm, I kind of like Hoongan. Yeah, we'll just go with Hoongan. Let's go then. with Hoongan. That sounds good to me. So these priests are traditionally traditionally <laughs> entrusted with leading the service of uh, leading the spirits into a recipient that is requested. Uh, let's see. They do good luck ceremonies. They do death and marriage ceremonies, healing rituals. They made potions and spells. Hello. Okay. Uh, I have a picture of one such priest. Um, it is the typical picture of a Creole man with like the white skull painted on his face with the top hat. It's very spooky. Yes. He's kind of hot. I'm not going to lie. With his little, he's got a cigar. He's got. A ginormous snake around his neck. So yeah. that's a red flag for me, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I do mean, what you do, just, boo. Yeah. He I looks am like he's having a good time. <laughs> I am getting pretty pretty badass vibes from the hat there. And I like a good hat. Yeah. 
feel like I could I could You can pull that off. According to Father Juan Miguel Auguste, uh, which is forever known now as Father JM, because yeah. I'm not saying all that again. Yeah. <laughs> no one blames you, honey. <laughs> JM's good. I like it. I like JM. He was the head of the local St. Jerome Catholic Church. Several women in the area, he said, were being taken advantage of by these Hoongans, um, like our home dude, Pepe. JM says these women were very desperate, and they would give them money and get suckered into doing things that only people this desperate would do. And you will hear about these things in a minute. Okay. I promise. Most of these women are Haitian immigrants, um, so unfortunately, these incidents don't go reported or they get ignored because of their status. Yeah, that's so sad. A lot of them, you know, immigrants fear the police. Right. You know, they don't trust them, so they're not going to go to them for that kind of stuff anyway. Yeah, because they don't care. Mm-mm. Um, and another reason is because uh, that they don't get made is because these assholes, these priests, voodoo priests, they threaten the women that they're being watched by evil spirits, and they've even been told that the nails in their walls are the eyes of the evil nope, spirits nope, watching nope, nope, nope. them. That's not okay. Yep, nope, not okay. Um, <laughs> I see you looking around. <laughs> like, um, I only have a couple of nails in my walls that are exposed. And that's only because Why? my daughter likes to hang up seasonal decorations off of this same nail that's behind you. It's right behind It's me. right behind you under the stairs. Oh, my God. <laughs> and under the stairs. How fucking creepy, Amanda. Who has a holiday I, nail under the stairs? Well, it's on the wall under this. I don't know. It's her little area. It's fine. It's all, fine. It's fine. You're Move. good. You're good. There's okay. nothing in this place. Okay. I promise. We're good. All right. So one such poor immigrant soul was 30-something Haitian immigrant, no name. She has no name because she's embarrassed, and she's scared shitless. You know, the evil spirits watching it all through the nails. Right. So since she doesn't have a name, I'm going to call her Penelope because Penelope and Pepe sounds really good to me. I like Penelope. That's such a cute name. I figured that would be really good for her. I like it. This poor Penelope. I love her. Mm-hmm. So poor Penelope needed some good luck. She was unemployed, and in three days, she was going to be filing her immigration papers. So she paid Pepe $300 for a ceremony to help her out. So that Saturday evening, she comes over to his house around dinner time. He leads her to the bedroom, which is, you know, just the way it goes, not suspicious at all. Red flag Penelope. Uh, I know. Red flag Penelope. Poor Penelope. That's... I mean, I do my voodoo rituals in my room. (laughs) I mean, that's... But typically, I would say red flag. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you do you. (laughs) (laughs) She already made me touch a Ouija board that was haunted. No, no, no. (laughs) It's fine. You're fine. fine. And nothing has happened. Nothing happened. We're okay. Okay. So she comes over to his house. He leads her to the bedroom. And I'm telling y'all his ceremonial game was on point. Mm -hmm. Okay. On the floor around the bed. He had candles lit. 
He poured some rum around the bed and the door. He wasted liquor. Okay. I hate him already. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, this was a way of paying homage to ancestors, and at least he got this part right. This was the only legit thing that he so did. So he knew some things about voodoo. He did know a little bit, enough to... Um, to successfully, successfully lure a Haitian woman. There you go. There you go. That's a good way to put it. So, yeah, apparently he is good because somehow he gets her on the bed and they end up having sex. Oh, Penelope. Mm. Honey. But according to Father J.M., he says that they tell the women that penetration is necessary for the spirit to pass into them. Oh, my gosh. You know all the men listening are writing this down in their little notebooks. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fucking gag me. Hell no. 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 It's, it's not okay. Yeah. This asshole. So, as clothes start falling to the floor along with sheets from the bed, shit catches on fire. <laughs> you no. Know, who'd have thunk this shit? This dumb fuck. So you have candles and alcohol mm. on the floor. Yeah. Just throw your clothes it's a over great combination. Don't worry about a thing. Just it's totally okay. Okay. So yes, everything's on fire. But does he call 911? Of course not. Guess what he does? He runs to the bathroom and gets water from the faucet. And okay, honestly, how many containers do you have in your bathroom that would really put out a fire? Like maybe the trash can. Maybe. Okay. Maybe a cup of water. Toothbrush cup. Toothbrush cup. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't see that being very effective though. But what I'm picturing is a naked guy running back and forth, cupping water in his hands. (laughs) That's fabulous. 66-year-old man with a limp, naked, cupping water. Okay, I've got a very interesting visual now. (laughs) Thank you. Now now you get it. Okay, so meanwhile, um, his roommate... Pause. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. Okay, okay. One article said neighbor, but then that's all they said about the guy. So um, the other article that I read... From the Gothist said, meanwhile, his roommate (laughs) was enjoying a quiet night ironing his pants. (laughs) How does he have a roommate? How does the roommate not grow concerned? Okay, well, he was described as a womanizer, so I'm guessing maybe this happened on He's a regular used basis. To candles and rum about the house. Right. It's just a normal Saturday night for Pepe and his roommate. They're just ironing his pants. He's just ironing his pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so while he's ironing, he notices that there's a fire. He quickly runs and opens the window. About the same time that Pepe opens the bedroom door. That doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound like good things. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Backdraft. 
I haven't. If you have not, you should because William Baldwin is very yummy in it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, sorry, Stephen. But <laughs> mental note. Mental note. <laughs> so Stephen is Brittany's man, <laughs> husband of twelve years, and he is helping us out with all the technical stuff of this. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. He's so a much. lifesaver. Yes. Yes. He Thanks, is. babe. Could not do this without all that. Because I know nothing. Mm-mm. Don't know shit about Fox. <laughs> <laughs> We're putting that on a t-shirt. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sorry, Mom. Uh, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so, okay. If you haven't seen the movie Backdraft, when, like, sudden oxygen gets introduced to a fire, it creates this blowtorch effect, which is what it did. Um, it set the fourth, fifth, and sixth floors ablaze. What in the actual? All three floors. Oh, yes, ma'am. It went fucking nuts. Pay-pay. According to one resident's detailed account of the event, there was a lot of smoke and it was dark. Why? They that's always pick that. the smartest people for interviews. That's it. That's the only quote <laughs> from any resident. It was a lot of smoke and oh it was God. dark. It was a lot of smoke. Like, no shit. So, um, I am going to. I bet she's really pretty, though. <laughs> Jesus, I hope so. <laughs> Take a sip. Okay. Ready. There's a little bit of a sad part. Okay. Um, it was a really, really big fire. It took 200 firefighters seven hours to put it out. There is actually a picture of the fire. If you want to look at hours. it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that oh is the gosh. actual fire. There's people on the roof. Yes. I'm hoping that's firefighters. I'm assuming it is. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. It's massive. It's that massive. That is a huge fire. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's like trees around too. Oh my gosh, that could have spread. Like oh, you'll insane. see. You'll see. It took 20 firefighters and 11 residents were injured. There were 47 left homeless. That's more than a calendar's worth of firefighters. I know. That's a lot. Oh my god, them poor, poor men. Poor men. Okay. Sacrificed. I don't know how badly they were injured. It just says they were injured. Oh my goodness. There was one fatality, however. A 62 or 64-year-old, not sure which, either way, 60-something-year-old, retired guidance counselor Mary Fagan. Aww. I know. She was found in her top-floor apartment. She lived alone, but her nephew did live in the building as well. Um, So at least she had company on a regular basis. But she actually lived there for 30 years, like the other residents as well so they were lifers yeah they they had been there forever i mean this was these people's home that's so sad they finally got the fire under control around 2 a.m by sunday morning the building was cloaked in ice and there is a picture of that too you can see the tree actually did burn i mean think about it it is february in new york that's like it's freezing cold eerily beautiful though I know it is. It's like I know it's like tragic and it's super sad and I hate it that these people were left homeless. Mm -hmm. But this photograph is insane because like you can see 
through the side of the building and through the roof. It's just like a shell at the top. And it's all, you know, charred. But there's these, like, pure white icicles hanging from it. It's like... It is. Well, and what else is crazy about it? Like, these are three different photographers that took all these pictures. Mm -hmm. And they're pretty much all from the same angle. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's the only place you can get a good shot of this place. But, um... Yeah, they're, they're all three from the same spot. So I mentioned that it was, okay, it was pretty bad. The roof and the top floor did collapse from the damage. Uh, only the tenants from the first three floors were able to collect their belongings. There is a picture of a woman with her puppy. that They were able to Aww, get out. The puppy was saved. Yeah, I think his name is Ralphie. Ralphie! Oh, he's a poodle pup! Yeah. Ralphie the So Ralphie's okay. Um, Some other good news to bring some light into, like, back into this. Um, The woman did escape unharmed, the immigrant woman. Yay, Penelope! Yes, Penelope was all good. Did Pepe go to jail? (laughs) Hold on, I'm getting to Pepe. Okay. Pepe did um, finally put on some pants. He was spotted outside. So he did escape as well, and uh, no, no one was charged. Fire what? chief. The fire chief said that they tried to put it out, so he was going to rule it as an accident. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I know. He was essentially yeah. raping an immigrant woman yes. in his apartment. Yes. And his ridiculous actions caught the building on fire, mm-hmm. killing a woman, mm-hmm. and leaving all these people homeless and injuring those poor firefighters. Yes, he's a dumbass fuckface. I don't Oh my god, know. Pepe, no. Bad no. Pepe. Bad Pepe. Oh my god. So, but yeah, there it is. There's there's my case. That was so good. Good job. <laughs> we both did good. It had a little bit of everything in that one. That was great. Yeah. We did it. We did it. Yay. <laughs> Episode one. Okay. Um, a few little necessary things to close out with. We are on Facebook yes. and Instagram. Yes. On Facebook, it is Oddities and Curiosities Podcast. Instagram, it is Oddities and Curiosities Pod. Yes. Um, a few shout outs. Just wanted to give a little shout out to my friend Craig Weaver, who did the music for us for the podcast. Oh, yeah. He did an amazing job. Thank you, Craig. Yes. And then uh, shout out my wonderful husband, Steven, for helping us with all the technical. He's our tech support. He's like our own personal geek squad and for editing. So these guys were a huge help. So also, if... You made it to the end and want to come back for more. Thank you for sticking around the whole time. Yes. If you did. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, if you would just uh, take the time to go to Apple Podcast and rate and review us, that would be awesome. Yes, please, please. It helps us so much. Even if you didn't like it, we're okay with that. Critique us. Constructive criticism, always welcome. We can take it. Just be nice. Just be nice with your constructive criticism. Yeah, it doesn't have to be hateful. <laughs> <laughs> Go easy on us. We're babies. Don't make us sad. We're not virgins anymore. Wow. We're not podcast <laughs> virgins <Wow>. anymore. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's true. All right. 
All right. Thanks for making it to the end, guys. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye, you guys.